Welcome to the Orion Sportscast Podcast, the most refreshing analysis, insight, and opinions in the world of sports. Here are your hosts, Josh Eakin and Brandon Waterhouse. Another interview today. We are joined. uh, I'm really excited about this one, actually. Uh, We're joined by Mike Ross. Yeah, yeah. Big Leafs backdrop. Let's hear about it. Mike, who are you? What do you do? Tell us about yourself. Uh, my name is Mike Ross. I'm the public address announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'm also one of the uh, uh, morning show contributors on uh, AMI-TV and AMI-audio, which is Accessible Media Inc. So uh, at uh, in, in one way or another, I almost always have at least uh, one thumb in a sports pie somewhere. Perfect. I love that. <laughs> so for people who might not know what that job consists of, what does a public address announcer do? Well, in my case, it's a little bit different, uh, you know, in every market. So, uh, but generally speaking, a public address announcer is the, uh, the voice that you hear in the arena or in the stadium when you go to a hockey game or a football game or, or whatever sporting event that's going on. Um, in some uh, markets, in some sports, you're also sometimes um, – sort of the, the fan engagement person and the person who is, uh, you know, charged with pumping up the crowd and running contests and things like that. Uh, that's not the case with me and the Maple Leafs. We've got a couple of great uh, in-house yes. hosts in uh, D Emanuel and uh, Scott Willits. And they do a fantastic job of running the contesting, running all the, the hype shows uh, within our games. So my role is pretty simple. I introduce the starting lineups. I introduce the officials, the uh, national anthem singer, and uh, announce goals and penalties. And nice. uh, and that's that's the big part of the job. That's that's the one that requires, um, I think, the most enthusiasm, um, and certainly is is what sort of generates most reaction from the fans. So, Mike, I want to know. What kind of sparked? Maybe as it, maybe this didn't. Maybe it didn't get sparked as a kid. Maybe it's a passion you found later on in your life. But what made you want to pursue this career path? And kind of, if was there something while you were a child that sparked this interest? I think I was always kind of interested in media, and I was a big sports fan. So, growing up cheering for the Leafs, Paul Morris was a voice that you heard all the time uh, at Maple Leaf Gardens. Um, if you watched, uh, you know, any New York Yankee games, Bob Shepard, the, the long time, really long time voice of the New York Yankees. Um, these were just iconic voices at a time when, you know, public address announcers were, I think a little bit more prevalent on broadcasts. Um, you didn't have the level of necessarily of, 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 or, or the detailed analysis that you have now in games. So there were, I think there was a little bit more room to breathe in those broadcasts. And, and as such, there was a little bit more presence of, uh, of the arena voice uh, than there is now. Um, but certainly for me, in, in listening to people like Paul Morris and, and people like uh, Bob Shepard, uh, I could tell that, uh, that these were important roles for those teams. And the fact that I was always interested in radio and audio and, and just voice work, um, you know, it seemed it seemed like a, a, a natural combination to to put that with my love of sports. So uh, outside of the PA announcing, you do something with uh, AMI. I might have said that correctly. AMI. 
Uh, what does that consist of? And what's that all about? Because I read a little bit about it, but I want to hear it from you. So AMI is Accessible Media Inc. And uh, AMI started as um, uh, a company called VoicePrint, uh, which years and years and years ago was a reading service for blind and partially sighted Canadians. So they would literally have people, professional readers, reading the newspaper, reading articles, uh, reading magazine articles, sometimes reading uh, grocery flyers and, you know, the store flyers. And this, these broadcasts were aired over television on a blank screen. So basically it was an audio reading service uh, on television for blind and partially sighted Canadians over time they started developing um, a little bit more programming and a lot of it was sort of long, long term or, 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 or long form programming and documentary programming. And just over five years ago, they decided that they wanted to jump into the world of live broadcasting. They'd never done live broadcasting. Everything they always did was, was pre-recorded stuff. And so they wanted to diversify a little bit and, it, I, it was a bit, um, it, it was sort of modernizing the company, but it was also um, uh, allowing it to be more relevant and timely for their audience. And so they decided that they were going to start by creating a live morning show. Okay. And uh, I had just uh, uh, ended my I was at NHL radio for 10 years um, that ended in October of 2015. And within about a month of that, um, I got a call from uh, somebody I knew at AMI saying, Hey, listen, we, we've got some ideas. We'd like to run them by you. And I got together with them. We had some meetings and they asked if I wanted to be the inaugural host of that show and help them sort of build up the, the live broadcasting presence and I jumped at the opportunity and we grew it. The show is now uh, called Now with Dave Brown. Dave Brown is the host now. It is not only on the audio channel, but it's also simulcast on television right across the country. And it, uh, we've managed to grow the live broadcasts um, to not just the morning show, but also now uh, three or four other shows uh, that are done. I also do the news show every morning called the Gazette, uh, but there are a number of other live shows that are now running every day, uh, Monday to Friday on AMI audio and or AMI TV. And, you know, we've, we've grown tremendously. It's, it's now a channel that, that, that runs shows uh, that get good ratings um, across the country. And for me, it's easily the most fulfilling broadcasting I've ever done. Um, what we do every day really means something to our audience. Um, it's not anything they can find anywhere else. They may hear a story that we talk about on CBC a month after we've talked about it, but we, we do everything first and foremost, through the lens of accessibility. And, and, and we look at disability issues and accessibility issues and certainly things that affect blind and partially sighted Canadians. 
and nobody else does that 24 seven. So it's just a thrill to be a part of it. And going into my sixth year at AMI, um, you know, I couldn't have asked for a, a better sort of transition out of NHL radio into, into some other broadcasting with AMI. So that's not, uh, as I understand, that's not the only work you've done with blind and partially sighted uh, listeners. Uh, you've done some work with blind hockey. Am, am I correct? Yeah, the Canadian Blind Hockey Association has had um, a relationship with AMI for uh, as long as I've been there. In fact, even it started even before I was there. Um, but we broadcast the Canadian National Blind Hockey Championship mm-hmm. um, every year. Unfortunately, of course, because of the pandemic last year, uh, we had to skip it. It didn't yeah. happen. Uh, hoping to to have it later on in 2021 this year. Um, but I've been I've been thrilled to be a part of their event every year, uh, both from a broadcasting standpoint where I've been part of the play-by-play crew, but also getting an opportunity to do a little bit of announcing, introducing the, uh, the, the, the opening ceremonies for them, the closing ceremonies, their award ceremonies, and also have had a great opportunity to cover the Canadian National Golf Championship um, nice. in British Columbia in 2018 or 20, uh, 2019. Um, so my involvement in, um, in blind sports, but also adaptive sports has been just tremendous for me. I've really enjoyed it. I've met some amazing athletes. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's quite something to to walk into an arena like that and just close your eyes. And other than the, the sound of the metallic puck that's used in blind hockey it's a hockey game and it's just another way for canadians who love the game to get involved in the game and i love that yeah um it sounds like i I think of blind hockey and i go okay so what's the difference here are there different rules like obviously we know the puck will make a noise uh so are there any other rules that are different nations of the game yeah so first and foremost you've got um smaller nets so the goalies don't um don't have to cover uh nets that are regulation size they're about half the size uh, height wise uh, of a regulation net um the other things that are a little bit different first of all the positioning of the players is determined by your percentage of vision so the players with the most percentage of vision are playing at forward And the goaltenders are the ones with the least amount of vision. Um, And, and that just allows for, you know, the forwards who are playing with the most vision are the ones that are also skating the fastest. And I think that's uh, an adaptation to, to just to deal with the speed of the game and allow for a lot of that speed to happen in an area of the ice where it's going to be the six, best skaters usually or the yeah. six players with the most vision so as to avoid collisions if uh, if there are going to be any um the other thing is when a team comes into the offensive zone onside with the puck they have to make at least one pass to a teammate before they can take a shot on net and what that does is once that pass is completed the officials have buzzers, like like sort of 
sound uh, makers in their hand and they will sound that buzzer when that pass is made. And that gives the, the goaltender an audio cue that the puck is now going to be coming at the net. And basically what you'll see the goalies do when that happens, they'll immediately try and sort of pick up where the puck is to their left or their right. And they'll drop down into a butterfly stance. Wow. Okay. If they're not fast enough, you'll see some goals coming in from the blue line because they'll just right. come right along the ice and they'll score five hole. Um, but otherwise it's, it's a very similar game. The puck is bigger. The puck is, is, uh, is probably I'd say five times bigger than a normal puck. It's metallic. It's got some ba uh, ball bearings inside it so that when it is moving, when it's hit, when it's uh, when a pass is received, things like that, you hear the bearings moving inside that puck. Um, but otherwise, it's five players, uh, five skaters aside, two goalies, a couple referees. There's penalties. It's wow. passionate. Those Canadian championships, when you've got the, the elite players playing against each other, it's amazingly passionate. Um, you get some pretty high spirits in those games, and yeah, they're a sure. lot of fun to watch. I can tell you're passionate about it just the way you're talking about it. I could see a smile coming to your face at the end there. Like that, that passion's there for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And, and just seeing the game grow the way we have um, is, is something that, uh, that I know we're all proud of. For sure. Yeah. Speaking about passion, we've done some, we've done some research and we found, you know, you're naming some articles with the Invictus games and for, you know, many of us, the Invictus games are something that we're maybe not too familiar with. So can you tell us about, you know, maybe not even, not only your role, but the, the mission of uh, the Invictus Games? So the Invictus Games is a project that Prince Harry um, from the British royal family started right. uh, a few years back. And his whole goal with that was to uh, essentially bring together uh, former uh, military members, former uh, first responders, police officers, mm -hmm. and people who would, uh, you know, because of injuries, um, were no longer um, were, 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 were dealing with a disability of some kind. Um, so it brings them together through sport. But it also, what I love about it is it brings together um, some people who thought that maybe once they became a person with a disability and, and, and suddenly they, you know, they were, had a, a, a leg amputated below the knee or they had an arm amputated at the elbow that they were dealing with, you know, depression, anxiety, um, dealing with the idea that they were never going to play sports again. And it brings them together with other athletes who help them along, encourage them, share their stories about how they sort of triumph through those right. same sort of feelings and th those same sort of, um, uh, you know, downtimes. And so my involvement with the Invictus Games, I got a chance to, uh, to do some uh, PA announcing for both uh, cycling events and wheelchair basketball. And again, the, the cycling, um, I mean, it's more of an individual sport, uh, well, you get into the bat, so so, so it, it was competitive. Yeah. 
but once you get into the wheelchair basketball, you really start to see that, that, that camaraderie. Um, you see that, that, that sort of team competitiveness, that pack mentality. And I got to tell you, I had, I had a little bit of experience with, um, with wheelchair basketball. I'd actually tried it once before with yeah. the, uh, with the men's national team at an ex, uh, a media exhibition. And so I, I mean, tremendous respect for the athleticism it takes to play wheelchair oh, yeah. basketball, I could but to see, uh, to see two teams going at it and watching the ability it takes to play that game up close was, I mean, it was just unbelievable. Um, and level. It, yeah, it, it absolutely was fantastic to watch. Um, and what was, I mean, there, there was the sort of the celebrity app uh, aspect of it too, for me um, with the, with the cycling, I was doing it um, with a former member of the U S postal team uh, cycling team. Um, um, and right now I'm drawing a blank on his first name, but it was, his last name was, uh, Andrew. Um, he was a teammate of Lance Armstrong, uh, at those Tour de France's and he was the first guy to sort of, uh, be a whistleblower, um, about Lance Armstrong's steroid use. Wow. So, so that was pretty amazing to spend a couple of days with him. And uh, and just hear stories and, and sort of pick his brain on that. Um, but I also got the opportunity throughout that event to introduce Prince Harry a few times. And I got a couple of opportunities to introduce Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Because wow. they were at the uh, events as well. Got a nice photograph with Joe Biden. Um, so now that, uh, well, at the time of this recording, the certification of his uh, electoral college vote is ongoing. We'll yeah. see how that goes. <laughs> we'll see how um, it turns out. But my assumption is that on January 20th, he will be born uh, yeah. in. And uh, and then my hope is to send that photo off to the White House. And uh, and I'd like to get that signed. I've, oh, I've that'd be awesome. never met a U.S. president before. And uh, of course, he was a former vice there. president at that point um, and, and get my picture taken with him. Um, but it was a great event to be a part of. I, I met some tremendous athletes. I witnessed some tremendous sports and, um, you know, I was, I was so grateful to have had the opportunity to, uh, to be part of the Invictus games in Toronto. So it sounds like you've been involved in a lot of everything, um, be it from wheelchair basketball to NHL hockey. So I'd love to ask you this question. I was going to ask it just about hockey, but you've been involved in so many sports. I think it would be a shame not to hear your opinion on just this in general is how can we grow? And it's a really big question. How can we grow and get more eyes on sports everywhere? Because we had Digit Murphy on to talk about women's hockey and she had some great ideas and we've heard some from college players as well. We've heard from a CFL player about how they want to grow the game, but kind of as like a, a sports you're mixed into everything. How would you as a whole get more eyes on sports that don't necessarily get eyes on it? Well, um, you know, I can speak to my involvement with, um, with blind sports in this country, as well as youth sports. I mean, I've been a, uh, a youth baseball coach for 25 years. Um, 
and that's uh, that's always been important to me. And for that, um, the biggest part of growing uh, that game, as far as I'm concerned, has been at times the success of the Blue Jays, because the more yeah. the Blue Jays are successful, the more kids want to play ball. Uh, but it's also on the strength of volunteers and people being out there um, drawing kids in and making it possible for kids to play sports. I mean, the cost of playing sports can be extremely prohibitive. Yeah. So, you know, anybody who, who stands up and allows for kids to play sports and to not have money be an impediment, that's a huge part of growing the game. Sure. Uh, you know, you talk about the women's, the women's game, same deal, you know, giving it its due, giving it its coverage, giving it yeah. money to be able to run leagues properly. It makes no sense to me that we want to, we want to encourage women's professional sports, but we're not going to support it financially. Then how it, it's going to be on life support forever. If we're not there to back it financially. Right. Um, and with blind hockey, I mean, I've seen it when when the Canadian Blind Hockey Association first started out, there were four teams in Canada. I believe there are now 14 teams wow. across the country. And we're also seeing, thanks to the the efforts of, um, you know, guys like Luca DeMontis and Matt Murrow with uh, uh, the Canadian Blind Hockey Association, who have developed partnerships in the United States and throughout Europe, you're seeing more and more international events happening. So last year I got a chance to uh, be a part of the broadcast of a Canada USA series that happened in Ottawa. Um, they had a series down in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania the year before that. And so the American game is growing. USA hockey has jumped on board and is backing that national team uh, and supporting it. I'd love to see Hockey Canada do the same thing here. Get on board, bring blind hockey into the fold as part of Hockey Canada, right? Yes. If we're if we're really going to talk about hockey being for everyone, then let's get everyone involved. Let's get everyone under the same umbrella. Um, so I think there have been a lot of really great endeavors and a lot of efforts to continue to grow sports. But the big thing is, to keep growing it at the grassroots um, because without those grassroots, there's nobody to make it to those pro levels. So start local, start in your community and build up from there. Love it. That's amazing. So I've personally, I know Josh as well. We've learned so much about you. We love your story. And now we've heard so much. I mean, you meeting, taking pictures with Joe Biden. I want to hear your opinion and your advice because you know as josh and i were in sports management but we always dream of working with mlse or the raptors what what kind of advice would you give to us just not to lose faith in something that's so hard to get a good job in these days you know i mean when i first broke into uh, sports broadcasting uh, when i broke into announcing for uh, for sports a lot of it has just been like luck and timing um but it came because the opportunities that i got especially early on came because I, I i spent a lot of time sometimes working for nothing right. sometimes working for little money um and in a lot of instances almost making my own breaks so what i always tell people and young people who are getting into 
any type of business is sometimes you need to have the initiative to go after and create some of your own breaks. And the best example I have of it is how I ended up with the Maple Leafs. So in 2014, I heard that the uh, Maple Leafs and the Canadians, Toronto and Montreal, were going to be co-hosting the World Junior Hockey Championship. Okay. So I called up Hockey Canada, knowing that, because I didn't know anybody at MLSE. And I knew that whenever the World Juniors were held in Canada, the public address announcer that they had was English. And they always had a second public address announcer to do the announcements in French. And that is a requirement that Hockey Canada has with all of its events. So I called them up and said, hey, listen, I speak both languages fluently. Are you guys are you guys going to hold auditions? And they said, yes, we are. Uh, Send us a tape and we'll get back to you. So I did. They got back to me. I got an audition. I won the job. And that was my foot in the door with MLSE. Out of that event, uh, the Canadian national men's soccer team was holding a couple of World Cup qualifying games in Toronto. They needed a bilingual announcer. They called TFC. TFC said, well, our announcer is not bilingual. But the Maple Leafs had a guy doing the World Juniors last year. He's bilingual. Let us give him a call. We'll get back to you. Next thing I know, I'm doing a couple of World Cup qualifying games. Sorry, what teams did they play? Do you remember? Ah, oh, boy. Um, okay, one I mean, was, a, I love uh, it was Cup, so. Dominica. Okay. Dominica. Um, and the other one, I'm drawing a blank. I don't remember. Too All far good. back. <laughs> um, but then out of that, I'm talking to a friend. And it turns out she has a friend who said, hey, how'd you like that World Junior Hockey Championship? I got to go to a game. And my friend said, oh, well, I know the public address announcer. And this this other friend says, oh, he was fantastic. Get him in touch with me because I'm doing the hiring of announcers for the Pan Am Games. There you go. The next thing I'm doing, announcing for the men and women's baseball at the Pan Am Games. And then within a few months of that, um, I get a call from the Maple Leafs asking me if I want to audition for the PA announcer job for the Maple Leafs. So if you go to t- from 2014 to 2016, every one of those breaks came because I made that initial call to Hockey Canada and got myself an audition for nice. the World Junior Championships. So if I don't make that call, chances are I'm not getting that audition with the Maple Leafs and I'm not doing the job that I'm doing now which is the greatest job in hockey as far as I'm concerned. Um, And I'm not getting those other opportunities that came along the way, the Pan Am games, uh, you know, world cup qualifying soccer games. And I got a second world junior championship out of that. Once I started with the Maple Leafs. So if I don't make that first break myself, make that phone call, show that initiative myself, none of the other things happen. And so that's why I say to people, sometimes it's not just about seeking out, the opportunity that is, you know, on a job description or on a, on a, a job website. Sometimes it's about digging a little bit deeper, scratching the surface a little bit yourself and making your own breaks 
because it worked for me. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's amazing. And I want to highlight that um, making your own breaks is something that stood out from that story. But I think most importantly is that what got you through the door is the bilingual uh, like uh, ability that you had. Yeah. So how did you that like where did you grow up or did you learn the French or how was that? How did that happen? So I grew up in Ottawa. Um, my mom was French. Um, her whole family was French. So all my schooling. Uh, from kindergarten right through graduating high school was all in French. University was the first time that I ever ended up going to school uh, in in English, though I did take uh, some French classes while I was uh, at, uh, at Carleton University. Um, but I, yeah, I spoke French. My, grand, my grandparents, I grew up next door to my grandparents. They were French. Um, so it's always, we've always been a, a very bilingual home. And Growing up in Ottawa, I mean that's that's just what you do for the most part. A lot a lot of people grow up bilingual because so many people end up in public service jobs where the the bilingualism is a huge asset and in many cases is required for advancement. So um, not that I was necessarily myself going to be seeking out a government job, but my parents knew that it was going to be a tremendous advantage, and certainly uh, coming to Toronto and having opportunities like the Invictus Games, Pan Am Games, World Junior Hockey Championship, it opened up so many doors for me. And thus, as, as you saw there, um, really ends up being the first step towards becoming the announcer for the Maple Leafs. That's awesome. I love that. So I was, I was on your Instagram. I sent you a message and then I pressed back and I see a photo there of a Buffalo Bills player flossing his teeth. <laughs> there I go. We're going to get along well because he's also a Bills fan. So let's hear it. How are they going to do this weekend? How far are they going to go? What do you think? Well, I had a, a long conversation um, or, or Facebook exchange with uh, a former Toronto sports reporter the other day who said that the Buffalo Bills are not Super Bowl cal are not a Super Bowl cal caliber team. Um, and I disagree with him from the standpoint of, I think this is a team that could get to a Super Bowl and be a Super Bowl caliber team. Whether or not they have yet gained the experience that they need to take the last step to become Super Bowl champs, I'm not sure. Okay. But I don't think, um, I, I kind of prescribe to, or subscribe rather to, um, to the old adage of, you know, any given Sunday or Saturday or this year, really, it's been any day of the week, right? Depending, yeah. on, depending <laughs> yeah. on COVID. So on any given game day, I think the Buffalo Bills have proven that they can play with pretty much anybody. And the ones that they that they did lose this year, um, you know, they they sort of they sort of pulled the sideshow Bob in some of those where they stepped uh, on the yeah. numerous times. Uh, <laughs> got it to the face and just kept doing it. So, um, but, but if against, you look at against the Cardinals with that, never forget the Cardinals the loss. Last minute one. I can't even, uh, that is such a scab you just picked at because uh, sorry, <laughs> three on one, I know, jump I know. ball, and someone doesn't come down with that. I was, I was just devastated by that one. Every, yeah. Um, Every safety's batting that out of the air. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I, I just think that given the way they've played in the last two months of this season, 
they're a team that I just I, I can't see them just being written off the page. Like I really think they can beat anybody in the AFC. And and as long as they play within their own, stay in their lane, play within their means. And Josh Allen isn't trying to do the impossible. Um, and certainly if, if they're completely healthy, that's really going to help a lot. But just the offense of this team, the defense has played adequately, but the offense has been out of this world for the last, what, eight of nine weeks. Yeah. It's and, phenomenal. and to me, like it just, it just tells me that they are firing on all cylinders. And I don't think this is a, I think they're a well-coached team and I don't think that they're a team that necessarily um, reads their own headlines. Um, it's a tremendous, tremendous coach they've got in Sean McDermott. I got a buddy uh, down in Buffalo. Uh, he coaches uh girls softball he coaches his daughter's team and and mcdermott's daughter is on this team as well so he talks to the coach all the time and he said the one thing about this guy is it's all about the team there really is no individual thing there are certainly individual successes and and numbers and records and everything else but at the end of the day it's about the team's success and he's done a masterful job of selling all these players. I mean, think about Stefan Diggs and what people were saying about him as a teammate in Minnesota last year. Yeah. That, that you know, like he was just a, a bad seed right. and he just individual, not about the team at all. And you talk to anybody in Buffalo about him this year, like this guy's fantastic. Yeah. He's the ultimate team guy. So that to me says that, there's a there are elements within that team that that may have led to a bit of a conversion there that convinced him that team first is best, and I think it starts with Sean McDermott. And I think he's he's got these guys bought into it, and that spells good things as far as I'm concerned. So I think they win against uh, Indianapolis this weekend. I think they win their next game at home. What happens in an AFC Championship game and what happens beyond that, I don't know. Right. But I certainly think they've got the ability to get there. Love it. Uh, I hope they go all the way. I want to see them win it. That'd be great. I just think it's uh, the only thing that kind of stings about it is that that stadium can't be full for the game because that fan base would be going crazy. And if you, yeah, but think about it, they went 13 and three without fans in the building. Yeah. Any, you know, pretty much anywhere. So, you know, I, I know that they want to do it for that town. But, but I don't, you know, I got into this with, uh, with this guy, um, about home field advantage and he's like, Oh yeah, I'm sure home field during a pandemic with no fans. I said, well, have you ever been to Buffalo in January? Are you kidding me? Of course there's home field advantage. There's the comfort of being in your own stadium, the comfort of waking up in your own bed, knowing the route to the stadium, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, so I think that plays a big part in it. I think the fact that they get two home playoff games potentially uh, is, is huge. And, uh, and, and I believe in these guys and, and listen, you weren't around the last time they, they lost those four straight Super Bowls. No, nope. I was there. <laughs> I was there and, and it was devastating. Oh, yeah. So to finally see these guys and, and knowing 
you know, all my friends in Buffalo who are Bills fans and are Sabres fans been long suffering mm -hmm. Bills and Sabres fans. Um, you know, I don't know how soon the Sabres will be turning things around for them, but I'm absolutely thrilled that the Bills have turned it around um, for uh, for the city of Buffalo because they're, they're just such great people there. Yeah. They're just so genuine. Um, I love them and I miss them. Um, you know, I haven't been able to, to, to be in Buffalo since like November of 2019. I can't wait to get back. Yeah. Certainly get back to football games, but um, the success of this football team has meant a lot to, to fans like me and certainly fans in Buffalo. Nice. That's amazing. I'm so glad we got your opinion on something, you know, outside of hockey and the Leafs, especially if with passion, but I can't let you go here. I watched an interview, so I don't want you to repeat your answers. I know you, uh, your first game was the introductory on like the 20 something jerseys for the Maple Leafs on 2016. And, you know, there's been some playoff assistance since then. What is your top two then? What's your most memorable games? Maybe aside from those. Okay. So aside from the Jersey retirement and and like the first playoff stint. Well, certainly the outdoor game. Um, oh, that whole, yeah. That, that whole, I mean, that was two days um, where we did the alumni game on the one day where I, we thought for sure Chris Draper and Gary Roberts were going to yes, drop the gloves. I, 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 remember, oh, I, was, there, I like, was in the arena for that, and everybody was like, uh, what? Is this serious? Yeah. happening we, we were wondering like like was that for real and then you, yeah. you talk to them post game and it's like yeah that was for real um so that was pretty remarkable yeah. uh and certainly the next day having a jam-packed bemo field um i remember telling my wife you know i got home and i said what a day i got to introduce the commissioner of the national hockey league wayne gretzky uh I, brian adams who did uh the uh, sort of the intermission show um, and, and then introduce the two teams to, to play in this outdoor game. I mean, you, you got announcers who would like call it a career right then and there. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty remarkable. And, and, and I'd been to an outdoor game before um, the very, uh, the very first one in the American hockey league between uh, Binghamton and uh, uh, Syracuse. I was at that game. I also got a chance to be part of the broadcast um, when Syracuse played Utica in uh, the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. Okay. Um, nice. So, so I've been to some some pretty cool events like that. But to to have the Leafs in Toronto um, at home that way, um, like that was that was just remarkable. Matthews and overtime and everything, right? Absolutely, and and like anytime you get a chance to see that guy score, I mean, all of those games go up on 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 your all time list. He's just such an exciting over, guy to watch. Quick, right? You think Matthews is over or under sixty points this year? I don't know. I mean, fifty six games. Who knows what what goes? It's like it's like the common question. I don't want to know. I don't want to. I don't want to. We're huge Austin Austin Matthews fans. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't even dare, I wouldn't even dare guess. Um, all I know is every single time I've got an opportunity to sit there and watch that guy play. Like my job for the most part, if you were to break it down percentage wise, um, <laughs> I spend a large part of my time at a game 
actually watching the game. Yeah. Um, I couldn't and, even imagine. And it's hard sometimes to not get so engrossed in the game that you forget that, hey, I got a job to do here, by the way, right? <laughs> like, I've, I got to get back to what I'm doing here. Yeah. Um, and when you watch the guy's puck handling skills, how he skates, how he can just hit the gas and leave opponents, you know, in the rearview mirror, it's just it's unbelievable to watch. And like, it was a no brainer for me that the, I mean, the first Jersey I got um, once I joined the team was a number uh, 16 because it was my first season. Um, But when I, when I got, when I bought a Jersey, I put 34 Matthews on it. Like it's just, the guys, the guys outstanding. I've got a, I've got a signed puck um, uh, on the shelf here in the, in the sports room. And um, he's just a tremendous athlete to watch. He's just so talented. It's, it's unreal. And we've got, listen, we got great talent wall to wall. Oh yeah. Um, But, uh, but with, with Austin Matthews and and the way he broke into the league um, four goals first game. I mean, (laughs) you wish I was in Toronto. What do you do for an encore, right? Like, yeah, it's right. Just, it was it was a crazy debut, and he's just been thrilling to watch ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I remember just one last thing here before we let you go. I was at the oh, what did they call it? It was the one versus Carolina that was like eight six. Uh, oh, the uh, the next gen game, our the very first gen next generation game. Yeah. Yes, it was eight six, and my dad about halfway through, I think when. Carolina took the worst timeout ever. Then Marner just went down and scored. My dad turns to me and he goes, do you think the PA Allen's is getting tired yet? And I went, he's probably wanting <laughs> this just as much. And I was like, oh boy. So, <laughs> but that trust was. Me, trust me, there, there have been, there's been a handful of games uh, over the four seasons that I've, that I've done this where, you know, like my, my score sheet that I use um, has, I think I've got 11 slots for goals and only a handful of times have I ever exceeded that filled it or exceeded it. And I've made the same joke every time where I, I tell my boss that I want to renegotiate my contract. I want to be paid by the goal and not, not by the game because you know, there was a lot of extra work in there tonight. Um, but my, my analysis of that is the same every time. As long as the Maple Leafs are the ones that end up with the most goals, I don't care if you've got me announcing 20. As long yeah. as we finish with one more than the other guy and we get the W, I'll announce all night long. It is my pleasure to do it. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I must say my thanks before Josh signs us off, but I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. And I know you deal with a lot of things outside of the Maple Leafs that will still take your time through the, pan- through the pandemic without the Leafs playing. And so I, we really appreciate your time and uh, the voice you bring in the rink. I've been there since 2015, so I know it's you. I know that I can put the face in there. And uh, I really hope that we can just get back into the rink and now I can hear that guy and know that I talked to him. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will be back soon. Mike, I'm just going to hit stop on the recording and we'll just say thank you off.